0: Shocking babies.
1: Pisces. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Shocking Things. This is episode 39, and we're going to be talking about a film from 1989, Batman. Not the Batman. This is Batman. How you doing, are
0: Good to be back on.
1: Oh, yeah. No, it's always great having you on. Uh, this is a film you and I both love. Uh, I love
0: doing the bat dance, too.
1: Yes. <laughs> yes. Now, so Batman came out June 23rd, 1989. We're going to talk about the film and also the whole hysteria surrounding Batmania,
0: correct? And the whole...
1: It was dem- ginormous.
0: Uh, it was ridiculous. You look back at that. I'm trying to think of a modern-day movie where where something was this inundated to the public eye, whereas multi-generations accepted it to this point. It was just crazy how much Batman but, stuff was out. That's It was, a, it was overwhelming.
1: Because uh, the previous generation, our parents, like our father, specifically loved the Adam West Batman, for example. So we always
0: watched but, it. We watched we watched the Adam West Batman growing up on Channel Eleven, right before Star Trek. It was around dinner time. Yeah. So, so we knew that
1: Batman. Yeah. So you have that generation that loves Batman, and then you know also they read the comics. Then you have us. We grew up with the rerun, the reruns, and then we have the newer comics, like the Dark Knight. You know, whole Super Dark-
0: Friends. Yeah,
1: yeah. So exactly, yeah. So all this, and so now, what led to this? The whole because we were talking about this before we were recording about Batman, like why they go the direction they did some of this now with the comic books, and well, the film.
0: Well, well, part of it. I anything you want to know about sci-fi, fantasy, superhero, pop culture. The best printed source by far is Starlog magazine. Yeah. Starlog was reporting on things way before the mainstream media was. The first time we see an option for the Batman movie, believe it or not, was in a Starlog magazine from 1980. Okay. This this thing started going shortly after the success of the Superman movie. So there was talks about a Batman movie going back nearly a decade before the Batman 89 movie came out. Isn't that crazy to consider that?
1: It makes sense because Superman, that was the first screen version of a DC film. Superman, that franchise, did well up until we went to four. But, yeah, so because of that, they said, okay, the next next thing we should do is Batman.
0: And you could argue and say Superman – The movie was the first superhero movie that had massive mainstream success, made a ton of money and brought in not only comic book fans, but but the average person. It showed it. It really showed that you could do something with superhero movies. Previously, we didn't have that. It was on the small screen, but it was never viewed markable enough for the common everyday average person to watch a superhero movie on a big budget to that level. Yeah, that's a good point.
1: So now, when this came out in 89, do you remember seeing, the, for the advertising, do you remember seeing the billboards?
0: It was all- amazing. You just, all the, all the advertising was simply the bat symbol and, say, June 23rd.
1: Yeah, this is probably the biggest, for our generation, the biggest marketing blitz I could think of for a
0: film. You know what I was thinking, too, is like, We were young when Star Wars came out, Star Wars, Empire, Return of the Jedi. So we only saw it once in the movie theater. But by the time Batman came out in 1989, we were teenagers with jobs. We had money to spend. So I always, you know, you read articles about Star Wars, about how people saw it multiple times in a movie theater, and they were buying a bunch of things related to Star Wars. This was, to an extent, to us was it was like that. We were just consuming everything with Batman at this time, and we were already comic book readers, so we we read the Killing Joke and had the Killing Joke and Dark Knight Returns and all that stuff. But I mean, when it came to seeing the movie multiple times within the first month, we, we would just go week after week, just keep watching the movie. Yeah, I mean, remember that. It was like I've never I'll- seen a movie multiple times in a movie theater first run more than this movie. It was this, just a thing to do. Oh, yeah. I would
1: keep constantly seeing it. I loved it. I kept seeing it at least four times that I could think
0: of that I saw we it. We would go with different groups of friends. Yeah. You want to go see no. it? Yeah, let's go see Batman again. I was, well, they kind of push it in such a way. I remember they're saying only in theaters. And somehow in my, my psyche, I had it in my brain like, man, this, this is probably going to take a long time to come to video. Because a lot of movies, you took a good time to come to video, at least a year. Yep.
1: And that's a whole different story. Now, this is the first film to usher in the the low price VHS tape, correct?
0: At this level, I think the first one to drop it to a somewhat reasonable degree was in 1980. What was it, like 1986 with Star Trek four? Okay. When? What is, baby, when did Star Trek four come out?
1: That's 87?
0: So, you know? Something like that, yeah, it, yeah, maybe it's eighty-seven. I think the, the I think the movie came out in eighty-six, but the VHS came out in eighty-seven. So it was like right around that time when they dropped down from the hundred to eighty dollars to something more reasonable, and then this just took it down another notch, offering this, it at twenty-five dollars. But then almost nobody sold it for twenty-five. It was usually twenty and fifteen dollars, which at that time was unbelievable. I, I think we got ad, ours for fifteen dollars.
1: I just saw an ad, uh, an old ad from eighty-nine for. Like, 17 not 95 Yes. And the whole thing was they're pushing this, an immediate release for a Christmas gift for a stocking stuffer, which is really, really smart marketing, which was never done before for a VHS tape for a film.
0: Never did it come out this fast at, the, at that price. Yeah, that was unbelievable. And we bought it. We just kept watching. We were like Jack Nicholson. You know, Jack Nicholson <laughs> said that he watched the movie over and over. He would watch it multiple times a week. Which is yeah. strange to think that. I mean, that's one of the things that's curious about this movie is is that the the casting was curious and but smart. I I'd
1: ask so, you about that. There
0: was so yeah. much about it that was controversial.
1: Now, when you just think about this, uh, when we first heard about this film, when you heard of Michael Keaton being Batman, what did you think of?
0: Everybody hated it.
1: I hated. it. Like, first thing I thought of is why they have Mr. Mom as Batman.
0: That's exactly it. That's exactly it. But, but it, the reason was because he was popular in Beetlejuice. That was a big hit. So, I mean, you're a Beetlejuice fan. Did, did you see that connection of him on Beetlejuice?
1: That was one what? of the things Tim Burton said when they asked him like, why? I don't get it. He goes, I work with him on Beetlejuice. He pulled that off. Yeah. And, you know, so once I saw him in that, I'm like, this guy could do anything. I know one of the producers said, the what was the, the film he was in, uh, Clean and sober. They said he, he can also do a dramatic role. So he could do, he has numerous layers. So that's the reason, one of the reasons was for for that for that film, The Beetlejuice, the other for uh, Clean and Sober. So they said he could do a few different things, but he has the comic background too. So yes, do they, want it, they don't want to be too dark. I guess they had, didn't they have like a screening where it was a little too dark? There's like l- less comedy, like uh, just subtle comedy. So they had to change it a little bit.
0: Well, the interesting thing, Mel Gibson was originally slated for that spot. And you look back at that and think it's so weird to have Mel Gibson in it. We you just, you don't know how things would change. But we we thought it was odd casting. So I, I remember Richard, at I this pitch, time, time Richard I was
1: Donner attached to it too because of that's the, right. Of Superman, right? So, and he wanted Mel Gibson.
0: Again, we're looking back, look, nearly a decade. The Superman connection is still there. Right? I mean, yeah richard don of course they're like this guy could do superhero movies but when you when you look at, at that time i remember i was working at a comic book store it was around the time when uh, the death of robin was popular and this that has a tie to this because for those who didn't read comics and just watch movies that they, they had an online poll should uh, not online a phone call poll should we kill off robin in the comic books and the readers voted kill Robin. And so I called it Paul. Call? Yes,
1: Definitely
0: of course. At, yeah, we called up kill Robin. And it was one of those decisions that the producers of the movie looked at and said, you know, we should put Robin in this movie because it was uh, Kiefer Sutherland was originally slated to be Robin. Kiefer didn't like the idea of he thought the outfit would be stupid at the time. Kiefer was 19 years old. Like, how different would that be to have Kiefer Sutherland as Robin in this movie? In but short, the producers actually were tapping into the comic book market to, believe it or not, there was a time they actually cared about keeping true to the comics and keeping true to making the fans happy. But it's different, they said, Now we're not going to put Robin in this movie because the fans don't like Robin.
1: But I did want to see Kiefer in the short shorts like Burt Ward, though. That would have been good. But, uh It's funny. Then you could
0: could have said the vampire has nards.
1: Yes. (laughs) So the other thing uh, why this was special we had to bring up is this was a big event, uh, a comic book film on the big screen. Now it's they're dime a dozen. Now it's like every week we have a new superhero film. So
0: this started the modern craze and modern era of how comic book movies should be made. I mean, even the rubber, even the rubber suit was controversial. Even everyone was looking at this and why is he wearing a rubber suit? Why isn't he wearing spandex? Now that is the absolute norm to have some kind of, uh, you know, non-normal spandex material, something with padding or or muscles. That that's just every comic book movie, whether you realize it or not, has more of a textural aspect to it.
1: Uh, Jack Nicholson, what did you think when you heard about him being the Joker originally?
0: Everybody loved it.
1: Didn't hear one bad thing, So because you're probably thinking, okay, he was in The Shining, one flew over the cuckoo's nest, this guy's perfect.
0: Oh, our parents thought it was amazing. They're like, yes. oh, this is going to be good. And the funny thing is, it was William Dafoe was one of the ones they were considering. And when you see William Dafoe as the Green Goblin, you say, yeah, I can believe that.
1: Uh, It's also very similar to Superman, where they had to get Marlon Brando. said, "Okay, we want a well-known, serious actor for one generation. Very similar with Jack Nicholson.
0: exactly what exactly. This was the blueprint for this was Superman the movie. Uh, So many parallels. Yes,
1: definitely. Uh, Kim Basinger. Now, were you familiar with her at the time, really? Because I wasn't.
0: I had no idea who she was. I had no idea who Vicky Vale was. I didn't realize Vicky Vale was in the comics.
1: She had uh, red hair in the comics originally?
0: Yeah, didn't know that.
1: I only knew Kim Basinger
0: because, uh, do you remember Rex Reed,
1: the uh, mm-hmm. film reviewer? He was, yes. I just remember because things stand out to me. Uh, she's in the film Nine and a Half Weeks. And he's was talking about how she had corn syrup poured on her stretch marks. So that's, that's what I remember. Okay. So now this actor you know, Robert Wool is Alexander Knox. What, what were you thinking of him?
0: Oh I like Yeah, I uh, liked him. Hollywood Knights. You remember him as New Bomb Turk? He was amazing. Of course I remember that. That's, that's one that's good. one of the things. If you're a VHS collector, yeah, try finding try finding that movie on VHS.
1: <laughs> I do have it on D V D actually, but not VHS. Yeah,
0: it's uh, pricey. You can't find Pat, it anywhere. Hey,
1: we got to look at yeah, It's a hot item. All VHS has gotten collectible now. Uh, Pat Hingle as Commissioner Gordon. I wasn't familiar with him. I'm sure you weren't, right, at the time.
0: No, but he was a constant in the rest of the movies, though, yeah. which is nice that they had that continuity.
1: Yeah. But I saw he was in Sudden Impact, uh, episode of Amazing Stories and Maximum Overdrive, which you used to love. You remember that with the Green Goblin, the comic mm-hmm. book guy? Yeah, yep. uh, Billy, Billy D. Williams as Harvey Dent. I didn't know what to think of this. What did you think originally when you heard at the
0: time? I did not like the casting. At the time, retroactively, I thought it was very good. It's very much you're taking artistic leeway there, but I think he would have if they let him reprise the role. I think he would have done a great job. I, I just like Billy D. Williams I, as a as you. a person as well. I mean, he's you meet him real life. He's really cool.
1: He's, he's a very nice guy. He's got a great he's, sense of humor. Like, his channels yes. are always hilarious.
0: Yes. And uh, he said he liked working on that role. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. He said he would like to have done more with it, but mm-hmm. it just didn't get the direction he wanted. But we all you know, knew him as Lando Calrissian. Uh, mm-hmm. Also in Nighthawks. Uh, did you ever see that?
0: Nayar? No, it's one of the movies I want to see, but I did not see that. He really like, it. Um, he's
1: wearing a Superman shirt in that film. So that's another tie-in. That's a good, good Easter and egg, he, right?
0: He did reprise his role in the... Uh, in the lego movie though okay the lego batman movie
1: uh michael was a gal was alfred i wasn't too familiar with him but he uh, he was in doctor who was a toy maker is that what you oh. know him as now
0: well i remember boy they just kept playing those coca-cola ads over and over with him with the Coca-Cola.
1: <laughs> yes <laughs> diet coke
0: could, uh, boy, it was nonstop with those stupid commercials. It just seemed yeah, like I saw that commercial more than I saw that the movie commercial.
1: Yeah, I like you get to see the the can with bat wings on it. It was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Uh, this uh, Jack Palance as Grissom. You like Tim, correct?
0: Fantastic actor. I love we, everything. Everything with him, wonderful. Buck Rogers.
1: Yes, uh, Khalil. He was in Ripley's, Ripley's Believe It or, or Not.
0: Oh, yeah, it was amazing. Ripley's Believe It or Not. Like that was my first exposure to him. And then you watch like how many movies this guy's. He's he's like in a hundred movies. It's a great. Incre- it's incredible. Uh,
1: Jerry Hall is Alicia. Neither of us knew who she was. Then we found out she's Mick Jagger's girlfriend, essentially, right? A model. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, now I know you know this guy. Is Tracy Walter as Bob the Goon?
0: It was Jack Conan. Nicholson's friend because, yes. yeah, yeah, he that was like his personal friend. Jack Nicholson said, "This is my friend, give him a job." Yeah, but I, he was I, in Conan that, the Destroyer. That's as
1: yeah, Malik Ray is that his name? I know you liked him because you wanted to rub the ointment on Grace Jones. That's how you remember
0: him. Absolutely fantastic scene. Well, a horrible <laughs> movie, but that scene was. Uh, I'm I'm in his shoes. Yeah, I would I'd want to rub that ointment up there. Yeah, of course. He <laughs> didn't
1: want infection to spread, is what he said. So uh, exactly. Uh, <laughs> Lee Wallace as the mayor. Uh, now, I had no Thanks. idea who he was at the time. Did you? Still don't. But this is what I honestly thought originally when I first saw him. I said, is this Ed Koch? Mayor Ed Koch in New York?
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. did he look that. like him? Yeah, you're right.
1: Um, and this actor I know you love. This is the last one I'll bring up. William Hookins as Lieutenant Eckhart.
0: He played a good part.
1: But he's in Star Wars as yeah. Porkins. Yeah. Gordon, at the time, dark. I
0: didn't know that. But then you watch it Larry. you're like, oh my God, it is. It's Porkins. Yeah.
1: yeah. He's linked to some of the greatest films of all time.
0: hmm Does soundtrack? he do conventions?
1: Oh, he passed away, but he did. He was at Celebration 2, actually.
0: Okay.
1: Yeah, he did. Uh, what did you think about hearing about Prince doing some of the soundtrack?
0: I'm a huge Prince fan. I mean, I love Purple Rain so much around the world in the day. I, I think Prince is great. At the time, I thought it was so odd. I was like, how could this doesn't make sense? How does Prince fit into this movie? That's one of the things about this movie. It took so many risks. It, it really broke boundaries for genre films. But then when the that soundtrack came out, now, you got that soundtrack, and then I got the orchestral sh- score. Like, we both bought different ones. And you're like, man, this is a stroke of genius. What an awesome album that was. Yeah, the Danny
1: Elfman score. I love Danny Elfman.
0: Yep. I, I, I remember first getting it, and uh, there was this guy that worked at the comic book store. Paul Dubois went over his apartment, and we were reading comics and listening to that on hysteria, or just like, this is a, and that's when he said, Oh, I have Oingo Boingo. You ever hear his other stuff? And I was like, what? This is weird. What it is. yeah, totally different, totally Totally different. different. But it's one of those things like, again, taking risks, all these different directions. How, how do you figure this guy from Oingo Boingo can make such a moody, foreboding score like this? That's just perfect for this movie.
1: Now he worked with Tim Burton. We didn't really bring up Tim Burton. That's right. That familiar with Tim Burton at the time or just a little bit?
0: What the Nightmare Before he, Christmas Pee-wee's came out. Adventure,
1: probably the first thing you saw of his.
0: Which one? Oh Pee-wee's He's yeah, big yeah, adventure. yeah. That was the first one, yes. Which love we love that, that movie. Too. Yep.
1: So, yep, and he worked, you know, Beetlejuice all. So I just figured that was a good tie
0: into in that music back- when you, when you think of Pee Wee's big adventure music, you could see the connection, especially with a lot of the, the Joker themes that the musical ties are there yes
1: uh and then this made tons of money obviously the budget was supposed to be 35 million dollars it grossed 411 million uh that's not even including the merchandising and any of that is just a film itself now for the merchandise we'll get into that later but that was just a whole other level
0: another thing about the the movie that made this different with as far as how much money it made Jack Nicholson agreed to take less of a paycheck for a portion of the royalties of 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 everything, every piece of merchandise with his likeness on it, too. Do you know what a stroke of genius that was?
1: They said it was like so for one film, he's like the highest paid actor at the time. Right. For just doing one film with that license. Right. That agreement.
0: Yeah, he took a cut and pay just, he he took a step back to take 10 steps forward. That's crazy to think that.
1: Now, for the film, is there any, there's, this is one film where you watch a lot of movies, there'll be like two or three lines that stand out to you. There's probably like fifty lines in this film that I think are fantastic with the writing.
0: If it, if it was ever on a, a trivia, like name name a line, name a, I could just go on and on and on. Just iconic lines in there. Yeah, I think one of the most fam- famous ones is one that Michael Keaton ad libbed. Mm-hmm. What are you? I'm Batman. It was supposed to be <laughs> I am the knight, but he said I'm Batman, and that stuck
1: one of the most iconic lines of all time. people still has been parodied, I mean it's
0: constantly being used. Even this is why it was so much fun being comic book fans at that time because even Marvel Comics parried that because it was uh <laughs> Do you remember Amazing Spider-Man, Todd McFarlane issue? That, but yeah, and and because everyone loved Batman at that time. But like that's something that's why it was so much fun back then being a movie and comic book fan because even the creators of comics were fans of the genre. Now you'd never see a Marvel comic making a reference to a DC movie, and and there was an amazing Spider-Man where Spider-Man takes a thug, pulls him up to him, and says, "I'm back, um, Spider-Man." Yes, like that yeah,
1: was I, awesome. I, I just, like, yes, but yeah, the lines in there are just phenomenal. I mean, I have the sound needs that. an
0: enema. It's like it's that, so randomly and, and, weird. <laughs> At the uh, time, believe it or not, I didn't know what an enema was. I had to ask, like, <laughs> what's an enema? It was like,
1: <laughs> so, so bizarre. Is that you, sugar bumps? Who the <laughs> hell are you? <laughs> are we... Let's broaden our minds. Lawrence, Now, how many times have you done that and just taken a boom box and walked around the house?
0: Amazing. And during that scene, Jack Nicholson had a hard time filming that scene because he was an art collector. Yeah. And for him to do any damage to artwork was disturbing for him. Like, just think about that. It's so weird in itself. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and I know for a fact, wonderful- I mean, that guy collects a lot of art. That guy could yeah. spend some money on art. <laughs> that and he is an obsession with the Lakers. Like, yes. a real yes. obsession with the Lakers to the point where. Cause they filmed that at Pinewood studios yeah, and they had to send him over videotapes of Lakers games so that he could watch it when he was getting the makeup put on, like how they wouldn't allow that with any other actors. He had it in his, in his contract that he would come late and he, he would get like videotapes sent to him of Laker games. And to think that was filmed at Pinewood studios that, They found eggs lying around from 1986 from the Alien sequel, still in the studio. Like, how crazy is that? That the
1: yeah, Uh, there's other things like the the scalpels and everything used for uh, his uh, surgery scene was from uh, Little Shop of Horrors. Yeah, it's so so
0: weird. Everything with Jack Nicholson producing or being involved in that movie was a story. You can make an. You can make an entire podcast of just Jack Nicholson and his quirkiness making that movie.
1: Uh, never, never rub another man's rhubarb.
0: Yep. Yep.
1: Where's a Batman at home washing his tights? Right. Yeah. And uh, you love him, Vicky Vale says she loves purple.
0: That was incredible. Oh, the whole movie theater went crazy <laughs> when he said that. <laughs> this is yeah. Seeing this. Yeah, high-five-hyper. Uh, high five. Hiper, felt, gets
1: a big yeah, high yeah, it
0: was but weird. It was this, just so weird. It was fantastic.
1: Uh, for us, we've seen comic books, uh, so the Superman films, right? So that's the only reference we have at the time, seeing it was never like this, where the whole audience it was engaging. Everybody's, like, cheering and laughing, right? I mean, I, I've something we never experienced.
0: The lines for that were just insane, just.
1: Oh yeah, that's yeah. just
0: getting into. This is something like it was every demographic of society was was going to see that movie. Everyone, I mean, it was just so. Remember that? So I mean, you go to school, everyone was wearing Batman T-shirts. There were just a diamond. You go to a flea market, there were knockoff Batman. Yeah, it, Everything you could yeah. think of was knockoff Batman. We went to to uh, California that summer, and then we went down to Tijuana, Mexico. I remember seeing ponchos. They had the Batman symbol. It said Batmania Tijuana.
1: <laughs> and you regret not owning that, correct?
0: It was so weird. I was like, man, I wish I had that because it was just so weird. But it was it, it was everywhere. Uh,
1: what else? Now, the whole costume design, you brought up the Batman, the, the whole armor. Mm-hmm. I love it. At first, I didn't know what to think of it, but I I do love that. The whole look of it, the whole the changing of the bat symbol.
0: Yep, they did alter it a little bit. Yep. And and we're going to see going forward. That's that's a common thing to have every movie Batman tweak the symbol a little bit.
1: All the Joker's costumes, his numerous costumes, I thought were great.
0: Uh, Yeah, even even the, the correct. Even the concept of him, his flesh was pale white. But then he had to put a flesh tone over it, and even that process was unique uh, because Jack yeah. Nicholson had an allergy to the standard makeup, so they had to adjust the makeup for him. Then they had to put cooking grease over that first layer and then airbrush on another layer of flesh paint. I mean, they took a now, lot star of— log, star
1: log number 146, correct? Yes, Is that, uh...
0: yes. There's, I mean, I remember bringing these Star Logs to school. I would bring them to school, and everyone loved reading them. I mean, we were we were that nerdy when we were bring Starlog to school, and but Starlog there was one and
1: Fangori I would bring to school, and absolutely.
0: Bonobo. But it was one of those things that this was a time when non comic book fans or non science fiction fans would actually want to read Starlog because they had Batman stuff, and they were like,
1: all these no internet, like, oh wow, no internet. Podcast, Stop. no YouTube, right. so this is where you got,
0: you know, this information. Everybody wanted to see the articles of Batman when I brought Starlog in. Yeah, and the, they gave you all these insights on like on that, on like how Jack Nicholson, he had, I didn't realize how many allergies this guy has, uh, to, to <laughs> makeup and stuff like he. Yeah spirit gum on his face so that he had these special prosthetics and how he had to approve of all the makeup i mean he really was involved in the look of the joker and and the costumes were wonderful for him how the designs were were, were not mundane like they were in the tv show and in the comics they put a lot of thought into variety
1: so, yeah, Nick Dudman did the makeup. He also worked on uh, Return of the Jedi, for example. So the guys, he definitely, he knows what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, even just like subtle things like the Joker's goons. I love those purple leather jackets with the, the Joker symbol on it. You know, And I the, can't the believe love...
0: that they made action figure of that Bob the Goon. Bob the Goon. It's just so crazy that the of a random character like that got an action figure.
1: It had to have it, though.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, oh, you got it. you were buying all that stuff. Yeah, I remember.
1: Uh, the gadgets, the batarang, the spear guns, all that stuff was
0: really it's another smooth. line. Where did he get those wonderful toys?
1: When you saw that, uh, even the little things like the Joker's gas mask, this radio, that uh, ridiculously long telescoping pistol that he had, that retractable mm-hmm. like box of that punch right. television, like that's, that's right. out of a comic book. That, that whole thing. Uh,
0: Even they had ties the to the Killing Joke. I mean, they had yeah. like, they were taking all these different comics and kind of merging the them together to yep. make it a whole fresh new origin. Yes,
1: yeah. So, yeah. Dark Knight stuff that, because I know Tim Burton specifically said he read the Killing Joke. He liked that. So he wanted to incorporate that into the film. Uh, the Did you, did you
0: hear what DC... Co- oh, wait, we got to talk about this. Sure, is that one of the reasons it. why there was so much merchandising and so many connections to the comics is because recently, uh, not recently now, but at that time, that there was a Time Warner merger with DC, so they acquired everything. So, I mean, that had been done previously. So what the movie producers said was, Hey... DC is now a Warner product. We can not just do mainstream marketing, but we're going to tie everything in with the comics. And so in order, Tim Burton didn't have any background in comic books. To to think that is so strange, but the reason is because he had dyslexia and he has a hard time following the flow of comics. And so they gave him a whole bunch of comics, early, like early, like, Detective 27, things like crazy. You can't believe that they just gave the stuff to the guy. And then they gave uh, Michael Keaton, The Dark Knight Returns, to study. And so they were giving different people different comics to look at things from a different angle. And you can see Michael Keaton, he took the Dark Knight aspect seriously.
1: Now, yes, so the vehicles, the Batmobile, that's another controversial thing. No one know what to think of this design of it. What did you think of
0: it, Nair? At first, it was too shocking. I, again, it was one of those things like, I don't understand this. The Batmobile is supposed to be hip and trendy. This is, like, what is it? I can't even figure it out. It looks like something you yes. see from outer space.
1: <laughs> and the cocoon. You love the cocoon around it, right? That uh, The shields.
0: Yeah. It was It was unique.
1: Uh, the bat wing. That scene in the film uh, was really, really exciting to see that. Even just a simple, the green and purple goon cars. uh, The Joker's helicopter. All that stuff. It just, again, just like a comic book coming to life.
0: Yeah, Uh, when you talk about a comic book coming to life, it's funny that, um, like, all those scenes around the the Bat plane, there were supposed to be more aspects to that scene. Uh, ended up getting cut out. But if you look at the comic book adaption, it shows the scenes where where people were getting money and the money was fake, but it had the Joker's face on it. They were able to do more with comic adaptions because of that Time Warner merger. And I, and I think back, DC really did not do movie adaptions previous to this. Marvel always did, but DC didn't. Like, we never had any Superman adaptions
1: paid them but they weren't really i i know they made superman
0: 3 that i know but that's yeah yeah they took them and and they had nothing there were they like, there was no fervor behind it yeah. whereas this was a big deal they had a new stand edition and then they had like a prestige format edition that's, uh, the jerry uh ordway signed mine it, oh, what an excellent artist because he he got the likenesses down perfect
1: and uh, do you remember? It's another thing we'll bring up how we used to go to these local small comic book and baseball card shows. And he used to sign all the time. And um, mm-hmm.
0: Because he, he was a that. local. He lived near us, sure.
1: And we're talking about uh, the film. And I he said, uh, Yeah, I said, I can't wait to see this, to see like, a more serious Batman. And I said, Not like the, the Adam West one. He goes, But I love seeing the Adam West one. <laughs> I love seeing that as a kid yeah. in the theaters. I said, oh, I know. I said, but it's a different time now. I want to see this darker version.
0: Yeah, it was those comics that would later become Vertigo comics. So we're we're that whole era of Alan Moore, Frank Miller, that darker version of the DC universe Pulp, changed right? everything. Did you
1: put that in the category that the the miniseries.
0: Which one? I'm sorry. Hulk. Yeah, you don't really think about it too much. That doesn't come up in conversation as much, but of course Bernie Wrightson Yeah, it the comic books changed massively when DC started focusing in on stories more geared towards adults and and the movie producers started tapping into that market. And the funny thing is this movie was rated PG thirteen but they had a bunch of the toys were geared towards little kids, and there were some kids that their parents wouldn't let them see the movie because of the rating.
1: Yes, we know we know a family, and I saw uh, one of the kids a few years ago, and he thanked me for uh, letting him watch uh, Batman at our house. Do you remember what I'm talking about, Ryan?
0: It's just so crazy to – like <laughs> – To look at that now, because now parents just don't care. (laughs) Like every movie is PG-13. You'll see six-year-olds there. Yeah. But it's, uh, you know, watching that as an adult, I say maybe it's been about five years ago was the last time I saw it. I did not realize, like, damn, there's a lot of extreme violence in here. Like Joker's face is all bloodied up and stuff. And Yeah, it's, again, something that you did not see in superhero movies previous to this.
1: Yeah, you wouldn't see uh, someone saying the pen is truly mightier than the sword and throwing the the pen in their jugular, right?
0: Yeah, it, it was pretty wild.
1: <laughs> Burning uh, Anton, but the um, the joy buzzer really shocking him, right? Burning
0: mm-hmm. him. Mm-hmm. Another great scene, sure. What'd you think about the Prince Party Man scenes? How they actually switched the music? How it it was supposed to, another. There was supposed to be another song associated with it, but Tim Burton didn't like it. So okay. they they put um trust um trust in there. Trust was okay. the for the uh, the parade scene. Yeah, for the parade. It was supposed to be called like two hundred balloons because it was like the Gotham's two hundred parade. Yes. That's yep. one of the curiosities was that whole Prince album. I think that's the first time we ever had a soundtrack. It like from and inspired by, and then going forward, there were going to be a ton of movies that were doing that, just making pop music, but had nothing that was not in the movie.
1: Now the other the con, do you remember the Batmobile contest they're giving away on MTV? Steal a I Batmobile do. contest.
0: I do. I was working at a comic book at the store at the time, and we were talking about it, and the owner of the comic store said, "We well, you know why they uh, it." It does not come with an engine. I was like, yeah, that doesn't that doesn't make sense. Why would you win a Batmobile, but it doesn't have an engine in it? He said, well, they pour concrete in it because they're afraid that someone's going to get drunk and headlines are going to be Batman runs over people, kills three. Yeah, I mean, what are you going to do with a Batmobile with no engine? (laughs) What a weird what a weird contest.
1: It was strange Now, another interesting thing to think of, I remember vividly. You would get the VCR ready anytime there was for the news, you would pop it in if there's some special coming on. You would record yes. anything, entertainment tonight, uh whatever, it's playing exactly. over the the any type of premiere. Nair would have a whole VHS tape full of every type of Batman
0: news clip he could find everything like that and you look back at that it's all because of that time warner time warner owned the media at that time so every single outlet that they had that was media related they had reports on it they had commentary on it there were just so many at that time i would look in tv guys i'll say up oh, another there's gonna be a segment on batman i'm gonna record it up oh, another one i'm gonna record it so i had a tape filled with commentary on it and they had Interviews with collectors. They had interviews with comic shop owners. I, uh, I we we knew one comic shop in the area, Collector's Castle. Stan Lazowski. boy, that guy was selling so much Batman stuff; it was unreal. He had he had a warehouse filled with Batman collector plates.
1: Uh, yes, there were yep. That was he had like a Justice League and a Batman one. He kept saying mm-hmm. everybody wanted the Batman one. Like, they didn't really yep. care as much. They wanted the singular Batman one. Uh, mm-hmm. he bought for we could talk about the some of the merchandise too the taco bell had a promotion where they had batman cups you buy a soda you get a cup he yep. bought in bulk like a, like a warehouse full of these They kept thousands selling them, at of the them. Time.
0: thousands <laughs> i mean this guy just went bananas with buying this stuff but it was selling
1: yes and of course i had to buy a set of them because there was no soda in them there's just so you know, these are mint condition You Um,
0: had, you were buying so much Batman stuff at that time. I remember now now you, you you were more of a DC guy. I was more of a Marvel guy, but I, I mean, I, I read a lot of DC comics, but you were really, really into buying all this stuff and you were reading the comics regularly. So it was like, it was, do you remember how many comics they were making at that time for Batman?
1: Oh yeah. It was was ridiculous. (laughs) It was was crazy. Yeah.
0: We were reading them all. They were good.
1: Uh, and speaking of comic books, we, we were talking before about seeing this in the theaters. One really fun experience we had at the time, it changed. Now it's called alternate universe. It changed names and owners, but uh, it was of oh, Whirly-
0: Starship Excalibur. That's when we yeah, originally. It originally went, was right? Starship, But yeah, New I Haven.
1: Yep. Yep. When we saw it, I think they changed names. It might have been a comics at the time where they rented out a theater. Yep. And just for a comic book for just customers of the store you only you could buy the tickets and I mean, so it was a theater filled of comic book nerds
0: i loved that, it that was great it was at a time where we were oddballs comic book fans were not mainstream so it's like we were surrounded by people who understood us that you know, like wouldn't make fun of us because we're wearing comic book pins and stuff like that yeah
1: and back then it's another thing you look back at. At that time, trying to rent out a movie theater, you better put the money up front. They're not going to – for. oh, you want to see Batman? We're losing money because of this. So you better put up a lot of money right now. Nowadays, yeah, They had to so just set a theater for $100, you know. Yeah. So back then, they had to invest a lot of money into that.
0: That's right. That's right. And the comic book fans really supported this movie, and there were so many crossovers and tie-ins. You remember they had a series – where uh was it anton first was he was involved in the batman movie was also doing the design for the comics so they actually had crossovers within personnel in the movies doing things for the comics
1: interesting uh yeah for the merchandise i have a list of some of the stuff but you're right, like, one thing that did stood out before the movie came out, they bombarded you with, like, I just call it generic Batman merchandise, DC-related. So you could just buy a set of pins, shrink-wrapped, of just different, it could be Neil Adams artwork on it, right? All different, all different. We bought pins.
0: it, I remember, yep. it. yeah.
1: Yep. Mm-hmm. So any of that stuff, just Batman Shirts, killing joke stuff, everything. They just bombard you. Then the movie merchandise came out. Uh, the tops trading cards. We went crazy
0: buying those. Oh, we were buying them left and right. Yeah. <laughs> do you remember the candy heads
1: tops made?
0: The Batman yes. Joker. Then they made a,
1: a full murder.
0: The, the cereal. Do you remember the cereal?
1: Oh, with the bank. The bank was shrink wrapped on it. So that was yep. a great greatest thing on earth. You don't just get the cereal, you get. Bank with it, the Michael Keaton bank.
0: I remember you uh, had the Batman mask too.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. They came with a cowl, then they came out with the Joker mask, then they came out mm-hmm. with the you can get a prosthetic Joker like a uh, set too to put on with makeup. I mean, they, they went crazy with the stuff. Uh, the post, and that was one
0: of the people people wonder if you know retroactively look at it and say, why was there so much classic Batman stuff around at that time? as opposed to the movie Batman movie. stuff. It's because when Time Warner acquired DC, they just said, we got this movie. You okay. have pictures. You have office. pictures. You get this. Stu-. I mean, it was, they put Time Warner put the edict out. Just get this stuff out here. Get anything out with you got with this character that's serious and foreboding. And that was the edict. And you look back and you're like, every single thing, was not the Super Friends version, they wanted a serious and foreboding version. They wanted either the Neil Adams version, the Frank Miller version. It was just everywhere. Yeah, no,
1: it it was crazy. Uh, T-shirts, I mean, the amount of T-shirts they made were insane, like you mentioned. Uh, This is another thing I was thinking about, one of the news uh, clips I used to save. I think retail at the time was like 150 or $300. I can't remember. Do you remember they had denim jackets that were airbrushed, officially licensed? Yeah. Batman yeah. jackets. It might have been $300. Sure. But those, that's, so they had all different price points of things. Uh, the Toy Biz figures you're talking about before. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bob the Goon. Uh, Joker. They have variations. Joker with the curl and without. Do you remember that? By any chance, than they are. <laughs> all these well, I barriers. remember,
0: I remember you buying them all, and me being extremely frustrated because I was such a huge Superpowers fan, and to me, it looked like a knockoff of the Superpowers.
1: It was like, yeah. What,
0: what's the story behind that? Why did Toy
1: Biz? Toy Biz was a new company at the time, so they really didn't have a lot of experience. Okay. And if you look at later on, their their Marvel stuff that they made is really really nice, dude. Mm-hmm. Uh, X Men. So they started off. I don't I, I really top of my head I don't remember exactly all the details. But yeah, they used actually superpowers figures as prototypes, if you remember.
0: Yes, when, but that, that's why I was saying
1: why do it's like, yeah, well geez, the quality's not nearly as good as these, as the Kenner stuff. So yeah, I think it's because they're they're a new company. It blew everyone's mind at the time. Like they can afford the license. Who are these people? They just came yeah, out, yeah, of out, out,
0: of out of nowhere. They just Yeah, exactly. Interesting.
1: And then, if you remember, after the license expired, Kenner got the license in 1990, and that was a, a, called the Dark Knight collection. All that stuff looked phenomenal.
0: Well, see, that's what didn't make sense to me. Why did it go from Canner, which was beautiful, to Toy Biz, and just a short time later, go back to Canner? It was that's just so money. odd.
1: How money, they are. Yeah. Um. Yes, yeah, so they also made a back. Cave at the time, Toy Biz, which was really, really impressive because it was huge. Um, mm-hmm. Batmobile, you could but with Cocoon without. Uh, the, then I started really getting more into collecting in Toy Shop Magazine. I found out, again, before the internet, you didn't know the stuff existed. Australian version of Batman mm-hmm. that's eight inch tall, like the Mego figures. Do
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: you remember that by any chance or no?
0: I don't remember that.
1: Yeah, the no, only sold in Australia is called Kid Biz instead of Toy Biz.
0: Oh, interesting. See, it was around this time. It's kind of funny because we grew up together and we had a shared bedroom and we both liked toys and comics and all that stuff together. But as we grew older, I leaned more towards comics, less towards toys. Liked them both, but I mean, it was like an 80-20 ratio. But then you did kind of the opposite. You like more toys, less comics, 80-20 ratio. So it was like, I was buying more and more and more comics, some toys, and you were buying more and more and more toys, some yep. comics, right? And oh, so yeah. by that time, you were like, you were just buying so much Batman stuff at that time. It's just like, okay. it's just, there was so much out there. You couldn't keep up with it.
1: It's the first time I realized that, different countries had different merchandises then later i found out with star wars japan had certain things made
0: yeah yeah because you were buying toy shop like in all the time you were just getting it as soon as it came out just so you can get the first dibs on this stuff
1: yeah japan they had a takara 12 inch figure yep. uh, mm-hmm. Made highly at the time this was like mind-blowing highly detailed model kits in from japan oh yeah so,
0: yeah yes yeah
1: those? Mm-hmm. which were amazing mm-hmm. There was like nothing like that at the time uh mm-hmm. the comic book adaption which we loved uh there was also a play-doh set uh, and then the magazines do you remember how many magazines covered this film just like rolling stone just
0: it was like non-stop it was like a barrage of all this. again because they had every demographic you had music fans Two-man. we're gonna Two-man. watch it because of prince yeah. You're gonna have classic movie fans watch it because of Jack Nicholson. It's just they were genius. Every everything about this movie had that cross section of people who were interested in some aspect of it. And that would be the model going forward of so many things.
1: And it didn't the quality didn't suffer, which usually when they water down this, everything, the cinematography, I love the whole like art deco look like they incorporate the comics, the, you know, the acting, yes. casting. They just hit the nail on the head. It's just like it, it was a
0: really, really amazing. And another thing was this was the 50th anniversary of Batman. Yeah, so they were able there, to kill yeah. two birds with one stone, celebrate Batman being 50, which we can. Wow. A 50 year old character. That's amazing. And then, at the same time, release a movie that, co- that just happened to coincide like that.
1: It was yeah, it was definitely perfect timing. So they are uh, also for awards that uh, won best art direction, the Oscars. so that's a that was a really a uh, big deal drop mm-hmm, mm-hmm. film, one to five, one being excrement, five being excellent. What do you give Batman
0: 1989? Wow, yeah i mean it, it, it's up there. I mean, I I just don't give fives out to too many things. I mean, this is close to a five, though. So I'm gonna give it a four, four and a half. It's up there. Yeah. It it was it's it still holds up when you watch it now. It's incredible.
1: I might break my own rules and give it a six. You like it that much, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, definitely, it, it's definitely up there. It, it's my personal favorite superhero slash comic book film of all time.
0: Yeah, I can believe it.
1: All right. I had a great time talking to Neyar. Do you want to tell everyone a little bit more about your podcast?
0: Star Log? We talk about classic science fiction and fantasy based on Starlog magazine. So, I mean, if you grew up in the 70s and 80s, especially, you know, that Starlog was our Internet and that's all we talk about. And it's still such an incredible resource for finding out the history of the TV shows, movies, and pop culture that we loved of, of yesteryear. So find us anywhere you listen to podcasts.
1: Yeah, no, you'll learn a lot. It's a lot of fun. You kind of take for granted because you look at the the Internet for all the news and stuff. But really, back then, these old articles have a wealth of information and a lot you could read for free online.
0: And and misinformation, too, like that. 19, <laughs> like the 1980s, Batman is coming to the theaters. I mean, yes, they, lied. These things were, they, they reported on things that were being optioned long before. we that they came to actually come to fruition, which is amazing to think about that. So again, my wife and I love listening to your podcast and look forward to being on in the future.
1: Oh, yeah. And hopefully it'll be on yours again soon. It's always a lot of fun. All right, we're going to sign off. Nayara, this podcast needs an enema.
0: Beautiful things. Oh, they're so oh, powerful and purple. Oh,
1: oh, I love purple. Excuse
0: me. Have you ever danced with the devil in the pale moonlight?
1: To see photos and links about each subject we discuss in each episode, please go to anchorfm shocking things. That has all of our episodes and links to our social media, as well as a link to the Shopping Things store.